Hello listeners, welcome back to Laps Gamer Radio. We have got a little band of us together just to talk about our favourite games that we played in the year 2015. Um, but before we get into that good stuff and exchange, you know, the, the games, whether they were released in 2015 or not, but the ones that we, you know, had the most memorable experiences with, we're just going to hear from uh, Mark, who's with me. Say hello, Mark. Hello. Because he's going to tell us about a few of the games that he's been playing recently. And we're also joined by... Andrew. Oh, yeah. And Kevin. Hello. So um, I, I think as we were sort of saying off air, a few of us haven't actually had that, that much time to <laughs> play many games uh, mm. recently. Uh, I've, to be honest with myself, I've just been like cramming in as many films as I, as I can see um, that I've missed from earlier in the year. And we've already said that, you know, some of us have been fortunate to go and see the, the Star Wars movie, which was uh, you know, very enjoyable. But um, over, <laughs> over to you then, Mark, what, what is it that you've been sort of playing recently then? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk quickly about uh, a few games that I've played that didn't make it into my top five because I, I have the benefit of uh, not having kids to deal with <laughs> and lucky enough to have a girlfriend who's also a gamer as well. First of all, Fallout 4. I don't know if any of you guys have had a chance to play any of it at all. I haven't got really got a huge amount to say about it that hasn't been said by everybody else who's been playing. It's one of the biggest releases of the year, obviously. It's more Fallout. Um, if you love Fallout, then you'll love this. Um, if you don't like Fallout, this isn't going to change your mind about the Fallout series. It's got some interesting new innovations um, with the whole settlement building uh, and being able to send caravans of shipments and whatnot and building your own economy. And it makes you feel a little bit more invested in the world than perhaps you have been in, in other Fallout games. It's They've polished up the engine a bit more, but it still looks a bit rickety and it's still full of bugs. Uh, it's still the, the, the same old... Uh, I can't remember the name of the engine, but the one they've been using since... I think it's the same engine they've been using since Oblivion. There's not a huge amount I can really say about it. There's a bit of a lack of innovation, which is my main problem. It's, it's the, the That's the one reason why it didn't make it into my top five. Did the um, did the app you know like they they released a to kind of like as part of the build up I guess to its release yeah um, there was this free to play app did that in any way like was there any kind of crossover was there any content no. that somehow could be uploaded to the game from that all oh, right so it was just no, a purely separate thing right okay yeah there's two apps there's the, the the Fallout Shelter game which is the you know the free to play build your own Fallout Shelter thing which is a you know it's an interesting distraction but it kind of gets a bit boring after a while um, they did bring out an app alongside the game which was designed to be used if you'd got the Pip-Boy version with the big plastic Pip-Boy that goes in your arm and that just basically connects to your your console or your PC uh, and you can go through the menus on your phone or your tablet Um, I've never really used it to be honest it's it's a bit of a gimmick Um, but yeah uh, basically uh, I I really like it but I really like Fallout Um, but I think by the time they come on to the next game if it's another Fallout or whether they proceed with the next Elder Scrolls they really need to innovate quite drastically to stop stop it getting quite stale because there's not a huge amount of difference between Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas really um, aside from the fact that they've managed to make the conversation trees more limited than they were before I mean how, how long has it been since like because I'm only kind of aware of these games on the periphery because these are very much I, I guess if you're going to kind of bracket them they would be for hardcore gamers in the sense that they're incredibly long intricate yeah. RPGs aren't they so I mean you're saying it's kind of like the same formula again but let's say you were a fan of the previous fallouts has there been like a long enough gap that if it's this is going to be like one of them 
if you only play like a handful of games a year, for example, I guess they, that, that might not be necessarily a big criticism for, for them if it kind of delivers no. more of what they've liked. I mean, yeah, if, if, if it's going to be, if you like Fallout, it's going to be more of what you like. It's, it's more Fallout, and I mean, it's five years since uh, Fallout New Vegas came out, wow. so it's been a good, a good long time since the last uh, Fallout game came out. But I just feel that you think, like, with between uh, uh, Oblivion, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Skyrim, and now Fallout 4. Uh, that engine is really starting to show its age, uh, and there needs to be there needs to be some some drastic change, I think, before the next one. Um, I'm, I'm sounding quite down on it, but I, I am really, really, in, I'm really enjoying it. It's just um, I, I just wish they'd innovated a little bit more. Uh, they've made certain they've made a lot of improvements. I mean, this is the first Fallout game that you can actually play as a shooter. You don't have to rely solely on the VAT system. But uh, the shooting actually works. So they had a, a lot of help from um, some people who formerly worked for uh, Bungie. So they had people there who, who know how to build a shooter. But yeah, there's not a lot more else I can say about that. These about um, technical issues that you've talked about, which I feel like seems to dog, um, you know, a, a lot of these games that you've mentioned uh, and that developer. I mean, is it dependent on platform or, or are there bugs? You know, if let's say you've got a high end PC, for mm-hmm. example, are you going to. You know, are they less noticeable then on that kind of, you know, well, optimum um, machine? I guess. I mean, I know because I've always hear that there's like they're never console ready, or people complain that they need to be incredibly yeah. uh, patched after release. No, I mean, there's there's problems with frame rate dips uh, and uh, and draw distance and popping and things like that that you're going to get on the console that are less noticeable on a high end PC for sure. Uh, but there are also game breaking well not so much game breaking bugs but bugs that will affect missions um, that are there across all the platforms they're just it's just the nature of how big this open world is and how much is going on there's always going to be problems and it's something that I don't know whether they've been patching as aggressively as they should be yeah uh, and so th- there's gameplay problems across all platforms, but in terms of the graphical hitches, uh, they're way less noticeable on PC from what I've read than they are on console. Yeah, my, my partner's been playing it since day one, and um, which was great because it meant that I could just um, get on with the rest of my life and just leave it playing that, uh, <laughs> which was fine. <laughs> but I did notice that there weren't as much screaming about um, any sort of game-breaking bugs like there was in the last ones because she's played all of them and um, she loves them but uh, yeah it's, it's been a bit quiet that end so I think they've pretty much fixed it this time <laughs> and I'm already yeah, thinking that you can give your character a name as well and it actually somehow enters that into like the the lexicon of the game and they, they say your character's name is that right yeah one character uh, is your everybody knows at this point if you haven't played it um, at the beginning of the game you start before the war and then it fast forwards forwards uh, 200 years in, uh, into the future um, and you have a robotic butler um uh, Codsworth I think his name is and uh, he has a database a massive database of names that he can say and so you can name your character in a whole variety of actual names plus some crazy made up things that Codsworth will actually say when you speak to him monkey. it's only that character uh, I, don't know, I don't know about that there, there is a list out there of, of, of some of the crazy names that he can say yeah because uh, um, I, I know someone um, on Twitter um, and uh, I, I think it's Lee Scovel he um called his character Furiosa like obviously after Mad Max Fury Road the ah, yeah. Ch- Charlie's the wrong character and he actually was saying that wow. <laughs> so yeah that, that was I mean I think that was obviously a very pleasing touch for him 
yeah there's nice little touches like that um, the characters that you can have as your companions feel a hell of a lot more filled out than they have in uh, previous Bethesda games um it's it's good. It's it's more Fallout. If you like Fallout, like I said, you're going to enjoy it. But if you if you haven't enjoyed the Fallout series up until now, there's nothing in this which is going to change your mind about the series. Well, the game broke. No, no. But I but I do feel that it is starting to get that engine. Like I said, that engine is starting to to creak a little mm. bit. It's starting to to, to struggle yeah. under the weight of everything. And uh, I think they need to, to to change it up a little bit for the next Elder Scrolls or the next Fallout. Is the base building aspect of it worthy? Is it really needed, or is it just? Um, it's it's not at all needed in the game whatsoever, apart from one mission. But that doesn't stop it from being really, really addictive. <laughs> like I spent, I've spent about nine hours in total just building one particular town because um, it's. it's kind of got like a Minecrafty element to it and then you, you start to want to micromanage where everything is in your in your settlements and and it doesn't really affect the game that much but it, it's it's oddly addictive you can just kind of sit back and relax and stick on a podcast and just start building a town that sounds more like my type of game <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Andy, what's kind of your nominal number 10 but really it's kind of like one of your honourable mentions that didn't make your top 5 yeah it's going to be Brothers A Tale Of Two Sons earlier in the day it was a bit higher but it's just sort of moved down when I was just like been thinking about it and I suppose the main aspect of it is the story and the control system you know the fact that you control both brothers through one joypad was the most innovative and the fact that your story took you through when I thought about it more it, it it was really enjoyable, but it's one of those, like, would I come back to it? I'm not exactly sure. So while I did enjoy the playthrough, and we talked about it in an early episode, I didn't think it was as engaging as some of the others on my list. Worthy to get a mention, at least it will feature in mine higher up, so I'll save a few words for then. Um, Kevin, did you want to say anything about any, uh, you know, a game that didn't quite make your list? Um, or your number 10? Yeah, my number 10, it's Welcome to the Rapture, which... I don't even know whether it's a game or not, to tell you the truth. It's more like a walk around the countryside. I do like it. It's one of those games where I just like to go back to it, usually at the small hours of the morning when everybody else is in bed and I can't really play anything that's got massive explosions on it. And it seems to work perfectly as a a real sort of come down uh, kind of game. You know, you can just try and figure out what's going on. I'm not only doing it in little sections, um, you know, I'd say maybe... I don't know, 15, 20 minutes at a time and then shutting down and going back to bed. Uh, but it's a great game, but I, I don't know whether it'd make my top 10 because, uh, my top 5 anyway, because uh, I don't know, it's just not one of those games I think I'd ever go back to again. You know, once I've finished it, I can't see it being one that I'd replay. Yeah, is this another one that it came um, to... Was this Xbox One and PS4, or was it just an exclusive for PS4? Um, everyone's gone to the Rapture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, it's just PlayStation 4. Is it? Got it right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know there were talk of it coming out on Xbox One, but obviously they're not bothered. <laughs> uh, well, I just had a little look up, and it's published by uh, SCE, so I, I guess it's going to stay as a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but that's another one of those sort of... Um, I think they call them walking sims, is the, the loose term for the genre, like... Um, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter and um, Dear Esther and games like that. I, I'm interested in playing that actually. It is quite an enjoyable experience. 
Um, but like I said, it's just, it's more of a chill out experience. In mm. fact, it's it's that chilled out. I can't even remember the title of it half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Where's it set? Is it set? It's set in the UK, isn't it? It's set in. It's set, yeah, it's set in like if you imagine Middle England, um, like Avengers England. You know where you've got a crazy professor living in the uh, house on the hill, and everything's <laughs> green and lush. It's just that perfect setting, and it's set about... It looks like it's 1982-1983 time, you know, you can see by the styling. It's absolutely pitch perfect, you know, as far as that's concerned, and it works very well. It's very immersive, and for anybody that actually remembers that time, that'll be me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's great. The next game I've been playing recently, it's not going to make it into my top five, is, is very recent actually. My girlfriend picked up uh, Star Wars Battlefront in the uh, in the recent sale. They, they dropped the price down to about 30-odd quid, so we thought, why not give it a try? Uh, it's very much... I haven't really got a huge amount more to say than I did after I played the beta, aside from the fact that there's more, more modes to play in the full game and, and more maps. It's a very, very shallow shooter, to the point that it makes no difference really play, aiming down sights to fire from the hip doesn't make any difference to your accuracy at all um there's no attachments for any of the weapons or anything like that the loadouts are quite limited but it's undeniably fun uh, i don't know how long it'll be fun for uh, i don't know how how long it'll hold me for but at the moment i'm really enjoying it it's nice to be able to just jump into the star wars universe for for half an hour fight some attack walkers on hoth or engage in a, an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter dogfight above the deserts of, uh, of Jakku or uh, whatever. It's it's good fun. Uh, it's There's just not a huge amount to it. It sounds like it might be accessible then to a more kind of casual fan of those. I mean, is, is it like solely multiplayer? There is a, a very limited so, like set of solo things you can do. Right, um, right. Some training missions and things like that. Uh, and they're they're fun, but they're, you know there's not a lot to them. Um, there's a survival mode that you can play solo or co-op, um, which I haven't tried out yet. But it is very much a multiplayer game. But it's a multiplayer game that you can just jump in, play for a bit, and then jump out. Um, it is very, very like they kind of. I kind of. I can kind of see why they've done it the way they did. I was expecting a battlefield game, battlefield level complex game with a Star Wars skin, and I can see why they haven't done that because it needs to appeal to the widest possible margin. Because it's a Star Wars game, you know, it's going to try and draw people in who aren't particularly interested in shooters. Um, it's not even as complex as previous Battlefront games have been, but. In terms of a casual shooter, it, it, it works well. And I bet it sounds well as well. Oh my god, yeah. Because their games always are incredible, isn't it, DICE? Yeah. DICE are the masters of, of sound design. And visually it's stunning as well, but the sound design is absolutely incredible. If you play it with a with a good set of headphones on or a, um, a decent surround sound system, you're just, you're just sucked into the Star Wars world. And it's it's in terms of that, it's incredible. Sound Okay, uh, if I'm kind of like having to extend my list to, to 10, which is probably, you know, getting into the far reaches of how many games I actually saw the credits of this year, but um, <laughs> I guess like just the nominal by default number of 10 will be Ace Attorney, you know, that the first game in the Phoenix Wright uh, series Objection. of games. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I kind of disqualified it because I did play the majority of it, although I saw the end credits for the first time, finally. I think I started that game, you know, literally five, six years ago, so I don't we'll think... Let you 
really <laughs> it would be much higher if I'd have played it from start to finish uh, for the first time this year but I'd, I'd done like 90% of the content on the cartridge so I, that can just go in as like my nominal number 10 but um, like I guess obviously people who have played the games won't need any recommendation on my part that um, you know it's, it's a great introduction to the crazy cast of characters and just a very intriguing sort of text based point and click adventure game um, that I'll, I guess I would say if like me there are lapsed games out there that just have heard this series but never you know stuck with it or find, found the time for it. it it definitely is it is worth it even if you're only going to just play you know this first one although in saying that I do think they um, kind of up-res the graphics or giving it a nice HD sheen and giving you the original trilogy on the eShop so that, that might be a better way if you are going to dip your toe because I, I played this still on the um, the old Nintendo DS cartridge um, but you can probably get it far cheaper now just digitally on the eShop and you'll get all three of the original trilogy so yeah that, that would be my number 10 I, I don't I remember chaps I don't think any of you had played it or even possibly had the hardware to play no. so <laughs> I, I think I'll probably stop talking about it there but I, I enjoyed it very much and was glad to finally finish it I did have it and I did do a fir- the first few bits but then I got stuck at one point and I just jacked it in and then I think I got rid of the yeah. DS about three weeks later yeah there are those infuriating um, I, I guess like whilst it is engaging and it is very funny and it's I think it's quite beautifully presented even on the um, the DS which again the, the, the series was originally a Game Boy Advance game and the kind of graphics uh, show that but I, I still think the sound is like the soundtrack's fantastic and it's enjoyable enough but you're right because it is kind of very zany and it's also drawing largely on a legal system that's going to be foreign to most Westerners there are these slight kind of um uh, moments where either they're just asking for a bit of evidence at a left field where you literally have to go through the rigmarole of trying everything that's kind of like in your evidence itinerary yeah. um, or it will be like a, a little kind of like nuance to the legal system there that just wouldn't be the first thing on your mind so in a way I guess it's quite educational because <laughs> you kind of get an idea uh, into the um, you know the Japanese legal system but no it's more just I think a bit of fun really and it's uh, it's, it's slightly different you know that's, that's what I guess is I found enjoyable about it although I do like point and click adventure games um, I still have there's so many types of games that I haven't played it's quite nice to try a different kind of variety so I really am pleased that I did stick that one through to the end even though like the extra case that they did add on for the DS release it go, does go on forever so I think you do have to have some patience but I guess it's like ideal for long car journeys really that, that's when I finally managed to finish it <laughs> Number nine is Dragon Age 2. Another massive game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I followed this after playing Dragon Age, the first, well, Origins. And I went straight into this. Straight away, you can see all the differences. Well, first of all, the story is focused around one particular character. You can change his art style and choose, you know, like his appearance, but essentially it focuses on um, Hawk and it focuses on one town. You really don't go anywhere around the world, unlike the first one. The story I don't have a problem with. I think the story is really good, and I don't really have a problem when the story focuses on one character. It makes it quite a change from RPGs where you're there, you fight against some big world ending danger, and you're having to travel all over, over the place. So I quite like the fact it's quite focused. It's focused on his family. It's focused on what he does. Is how you build up your reputation in Kirkwall. 
the main problem, and I can see where people are coming from, is the mechanics of the game in terms of they've simplified a lot of things. And in that simplification, I think they've gone overboard. So, for example, with your companions, essentially you cannot equip them with anything. For example, one, the dwarf, Varric, you still have to give him different weapons. With Varric, he just sticks with his crossbow. You can't really give any of your companions armour, better armour as such. I know you can find little items dotted about and that'll improve their armour rating. But they've oversimplified things too much. Even though... I actually prefer the story of Dragon Age 2 to the first one. For everything else, I had to put it in number 9. I'm one of those people that was disappointed with uh, with Dragon Age 2. Uh, I absolutely loved Origins uh, and the, the expansions for that. I agree with you, the story is great. The characterization of Hawk and Hawk's family and the different companions is very yeah. good. But it's the fact that you spend all of your time either in Kirkwall, most of which looks very similar to the other areas in Kirkwall, or you end up going into dungeons which all seem to look the same. Yeah. It was quite jarring coming from Origins, which was quite globetrotting, um, and I'm glad they, yeah. they brought that back with Inquisition. For me, it was a bit of a disappointment. I, I still enjoy playing it, yeah. but it, in terms of the other, compared to the other two Dragon Age games, it's, it was quite forgettable. Um, I, there's not, mm. I can't remember any particular environments in, in Kirkwall that was like, oh yes, that area was incredible because it all kind of blended into one sort of grey, well no, brown cityscape. So maybe if it changed the locations, maybe changed more of the art style, maybe yeah. it would have been better. But I think, like I said, uh, it doesn't concern me that You've got an RPG here. That only gives you like 50 hours instead of 100 plus hours. But it's quite focused on one character instead of roaming the whole world. Even if it's maybe roamed the surrounding area of Kirkwall, maybe it would have been a bit better. Yeah. Even you do that a bit. I mean, you do that a little bit. I mean, you go to the Sundermount with the elves and mm-hmm. a few things. So, yeah, I do understand that. But, you know, I, I think the main problem for me was just some of the game mechanics in terms of controlling the other characters yeah the, the fact that you couldn't equip characters with with um, yeah you couldn't really customize them very much no that was a bit of a, a change from from origins as well i almost feel like i'd have to graduate up to them i feel like i'm still uh, you know at the kind of elementary level <laughs> of gaming so um but i that is a series that i've often heard spoken of very highly highly in terms of it's kind of like mythos you know like it's lore and it's a uh, universe building so that that's has always been an, an appeal and something that you know one day i would hope to experience but i think you know just from some of the uh, elements i'm able to glean from you it, it, it all just sounds far too complex and too long for me at the moment in actual fact if you're coming to it like you are coming to it new i'd actually recommend playing dragon age 2 before you play played origins <laughs> Okay, my uh, number nine is Kentucky Route Zero that we did a few months ago. My first dabble in PC gaming, if you like. I'm loving its surreal elegance as well. It's great. My cheeks turn ashen red in embarrassment that I, I never uh, stuck that one out. But um, I really want to, like based on obviously the discussion that you had with Ryan and Mark on that um, on that episode. <laughs> I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to combine three games into one Oh point. wow, okay, now you're just showing <laughs> off. I was struggling to no. get ten. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's because there's, there's a, I've got a group of friends who I've played three games with on a, on a fairly regular basis um, this past year. Uh, 
first of all, Battlefield 4, still playing it, um, still great fun. Uh, they're still releasing content for it. There was a new map released last week, uh, a reimagining of a map from uh, Battlefield 2. Um, if if you, I mean, if you've ever been interested in getting to Battlefield, if you decide if you enjoyed Battlefield 2 or Battlefield the, the Bad Company games or Battlefield 3 and didn't pick up 4, um, you can get it dirt cheap now. Uh, with the season pass and there is just a mountain of content now it's battlefield it's great it's it has it's a shooter has moments that no other game does um it kind of sucks to play on your own uh if you're playing with friends there's nothing out there quite like it one of the other games uh this this uh, group of us have been playing together as well is, is rocket league um like a few you guys have played that as well i, I take it yeah um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's higher up. That's higher up in my list. <laughs> All right, I won't, I won't talk too much about it then. Um, but yeah, it's it's football with cars. The other game was uh, a bit of a surprise. Uh, a game called Helldivers. Uh, any of you ever played this at all? Yeah, this is on um, Vita and PS3. Is that right? And PS4, yeah, and it's, oh, it's of course it's on PS4. I yeah. just always like, ignore that. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's another one of those like cross buy, cross save. Yeah, I love them. Cross-play. I love them guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, brilliant cross play as well. Fantastic. Yeah, so if if you don't have a PS4 and you've got friends who've got it on PS4 and you've only got a PS3 or a Vita, you can still play with them. It's a how do you describe it? It's not isometric, I guess. Sort of like. Slightly angled top down. It's like a squad, isn't it? Like you work properly, please. Is that right? Yeah. No, again, yeah, I've yeah, it's kind of very like uh, the same sort of camera angle as like Diablo, I guess. Yes. Um, it's a twin stick shooter. You, you, and uh, up to three friends um, drop down onto a planet, complete some objectives, shoot everything that moves, and then try and uh, extract. Um, and trying to get the whole team out at the same time. The fun of it is that not only are all the enemies incredibly deadly, but you the friendly fire is on, so you can shoot your teammates. When you call in airdrops, if one of your teammates is in the wrong place at the wrong time, that airdrop is going to crush them. If you call in a vehicle and it drops them, it's going to crush them. Uh, you can run over your teammates. Um, so you will end up killing your teammates sometimes more often than the enemies do. <laughs> and has uh, this got any kind of um, speech uh, cue that they play? If you like, does your characters like when you kill a friend accidentally on your display on your screen? Do they kind of like make a remark, or is it all voice uh, multiplayer anyway? So like you can he- you can hear their dismay. <laughs> yeah, when no, you, do you, that. you always play in uh, in party chat anyway. So yes, right. Okay. There's a lot of swearing, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's ridiculously good fun. It brutally, brutally hard. But it's also it's got an interesting thing. Of it's 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 like um, it's kind of like a starship troopers sort of thing where you're pushing back against these these enemies but instead of they just being bugs. There's, there's bugs and two other types of enemies as well. Um, but the community as a whole contributes to what they call the Galactic War, I think, or Galactic something. Um, as you're playing, you progress through these worlds, um, and the better the community does, the, the more you push the enemy back until you get to their home worlds, and then you crush their home worlds one by one, and then the world resets and you start over again. Um, if it's not going so well for the community, then the enemies will push back and you'll have to defend Super Earth, as it's called, um, from alien invasion. It's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Really good fun. If you can find it cheap, I definitely recommend it. If I'm going to 
again sort of look, look at some honourable mentions and kind of slot it in as like a, a nominal number nine mine would probably be Entwined which uh, I think I did sort of talk about briefly on a past show it's the um, the game where again sort of similar to Brothers you have to control two um, on screen kind of like avatars with the two thumbsticks in this case them being a um, like a, an eagle and a bird uh, is that right now a fish and a bird sorry and uh, kind of going through different sort of shaped obstacles um, to kind of like build up a charge meter and in the end you kind of combine and come together to form like this picturesque dragon and um, so sort of like a, a racer and really kind of immersive because of the um, the kind of Unity engine that they're, they're using very beautiful colours lovely sound design quite you know a basic um, a game in a lot of respects but very accessible and a really really well judged kind of difficulty curve so um, can't remember exactly how many sort of levels there are I think it might be 10 or possibly 12 but whereas I think when you first see someone playing it or you first have a go of it yourself you feel like this is going to be impossible but like if it gets much harder or must, much faster um, but you'll be amazed at how kind of tactile and responsive the controls feel and I think really that you know that's kind of like why it sort of stuck out in my mind it probably isn't a game I'm necessarily going to go back to now that I've completed but um, I really kind of appreciated this, the skill of the kind of control mechanic um, and I think sometimes you don't necessarily need a story you don't need I mean as, as much as I appreciate narrative in games I think sometimes certain games can still be a memorable experience just because the, the controls are so well implemented and you know that's something that I did definitely take away uh, from Entwined Mind break, Trine Enchanted Edition. Oh, I really want to play this. Really want to play this one. Yeah, mm. came out on PS Plus and the PS3. Um, and then Trine 2 came out on the PS4. Yeah, it's yeah, there on, I think they're all on the Wii U as well, and obviously Steam. Yeah, well, on this one, you take control of um, three different characters. You know, you can play either by yourself, or you can play co-op, or um, three-player multiplayer. So it's a wizard, a warrior, and a thief. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's about 16 levels on this Enchanted Edition because you get the DLC included in it. And you play through... Um, there's not much killing, so I played it on the easy level. Um, and there's a lot of puzzles to solve. But me and my brother played it through, and it was just a lot of fun, especially when the wizard... Who starts building his like bridges across uh, boxes and all that, and sometimes you, the, your other player was um, like a thief trying to bounce all, jump all the way up, try to you know solve a puzzle. And you might just box people in, or you might put the bridge over their heads. It's just a lot of fun for quite a simple game. You know, it's a platformer. Um, the graphics are amazing. The colours are amazing. It's not a difficult game. It's not really a long game either. But it's oh, I'm liking it more game. and more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you get three of you together, you know, even or two of you, because you can swap characters, then you are going to have a lot of fun. I, I don't think you're going to get the same out of it if you're just playing by yourself, even though it is enjoyable. But when there's a few of you, or like maximum three then it becomes a really really good game yeah I've heard that you can kind of skew the difficulty level and make it easier like you're saying if you do have at least two of you because the wizard's sort of I don't know innate ability is almost like overpowered in a way like that so you could yeah. get another secondary character on top of one of the structures that he um, creates and then like that allows you to get to you know other areas access other parts of the level or is it like you're collecting 
Is it globes or something? What you know, some kind of collectible, uh, isn't it? Mm, yeah, orbs. flasks yeah, and yeah. all of that. Uh, it's a cooperative game, but you're having such much fun that even if you cock up and put one person into the river and they die or they get killed by whatever, you're not really um, complaining on it. There's a lot of swearing going involved, and but there's a lot of laughter <laughs> as well. But even if you lose a character, there's checkpoints throughout the level where the character will return. So you're not going to lose him throughout the level. You just have to get to the next, I think it's a white light, and then the character will return and you've got more back. You can move on. Is it local co-op, then? It's local co-op, so me and my brother played it local co-op. All right. Um, That's a rarity these days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it's probably three-player online co-op. Uh, multiplayer but I'm not sure yeah, if, cool. if a person can come in if you're playing local and a person can come in and play the third character I'm not too sure about that but me and my brother played it locally so if you get a group of you together it is worth playing through it is a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to the second one um, well my number 8 coincidentally is Mario Kart 8 <laughs> higher on my list <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be somehow ninty boy basically there's just been a lot of hot competition this year I think for my uh, list and let's face it it's the first time that I've actually played this many games in a long time um, but yeah loving Mario Kart 8 there's not much I can say about it that's not already been said but playing it online with you guys has just been so much fun anyway and um, th- I've never seen a game that's so well realised online you know you, you can just bang on get in you've, you're waiting what maximum of two minutes before you're actually playing yeah really good fun game I'm quite glad you mentioned that actually because I was umming and ahhing whether to pop that into my top ten or not it's not quite made my top five but I'll yeah I'll I'll mention that quickly as well Um, I've been playing quite a lot of that since I I got a Wii U a few weeks ago Um, absolutely love it Uh, and my girlfriend really enjoys it as well so we've been playing quite a lot of the um, split screen uh, two player online because Nintendo still understands the value of split-screen multiplayer that so many other yes. developers seem to have forgotten about, um, and it, it works beautifully. It's you know, like like you said, there's not a lot you can really say about it. It's Mario Kart. Um, it yeah. is the, they they are the best at what they do in this genre. There is no other karting game quite like it. And I've played some good karting games a few years ago. I really really enjoyed Sonic and All Stars Racing. But this is just something else, and the 200cc mode is eye-wateringly <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah, you're just wrapping yourself up in pure joy. Um, it was really funny watching you drive as well, Mark, because um, you could see that all those hours that you'd spent playing um, Mario Kart on the GameCube yeah. actually really <laughs> paid off. <laughs> all those, all those hours of double dash of, of uh, the, I'm battle hardened. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you're not kidding. You were taking corners and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Oh my God, how's he done that?
the next game I've been playing recently which has just slid into my top 10 something I, I played very recently and it's quite a short game as well can't really say much about it without spoiling things but I picked up in the Black Friday sales Telltale's Game of Thrones oh. don't know if you guys are fans of the, the TV show or the books at all yeah very much no. Yeah. yeah no <laughs> No. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're familiar with the Telltale Games system, though. You, I'm sure yeah. you've played those yeah. before. Yeah. So it's it's that. It's more of that. Same engine, same sort of art style, although it's slightly changed. Uh, the, the, the backdrops in this are a little bit more almost like watercolour looking. It's very good. The, the story fits very well into the Game of Thrones universe. Um, it helps that... It's, they've got Cersei um, and Tyrion, what's his name, Ramsay Bolton and Daenerys are all in there and they're all voiced by their actors from the TV show as well. It tells a story about uh, uh, one of the houses from the north that's mentioned in the books but isn't really touched on too much and the story runs alongside the events that happen in the TV show more so than the books. Um, it's... I, like I say, I, I can't really say too much about it, but without spoiling things, it, it runs from if people understand what the red wedding is, it yeah. starts there <laughs> oh, and okay. goes on <laughs> and goes on to a point not not far beyond the purple wedding. If people understand that reference as well, okay. The only thing about it that people would need to, if, you, if you're thinking about getting it, is that unlike some of the other Telltale games where you have quite a lot. To a certain extent, at least, any anyway, agency over what happens to certain characters. Because this is a Game of Thrones story, there are no good endings. Um, <laughs> so, me and my girlfriend both played through it separately, and we made different decisions, and neither of us got a happy ending. And I don't think there is a so such a thing as a happy ending in it. Um, because it's Game of Thrones, characters who, in a normal Telltale game, based on the choices you would make, would probably survive, they die. Right. Die horribly. <laughs> if you have a weak stomach. It's not. It's not going to be the game for you either. It's. It's very grisly. But it's a very good story. Very well told. Very in keeping with the feel of of Game of Thrones. And like I say, I picked it up for eight pounds. I think for the season pass. Oh, cool. And that's a good. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, six, price. Yeah, six to eight hours of content. Yeah. And that's that's happened recently. Then so like the last episode in, in the has been released in the last month or so. Is that right? I think the the, the Black Friday sale might have been in, uh, coinciding with or or quite soon after the last episode yeah. it hasn't been long finished and in terms of like the Telltale canon then where does it kind of rank alongside you know the, the two series of The Walking Dead and things like well, Wolf Among Us and uh, Tales from the Borderlands I haven't played The Wolf Among Us uh, I, I intend to because I am I am a, a, a fan of, uh, of Fables uh, I played the first season of The Walking Dead haven't played the second season I loved the first season for some reason I just didn't play season two no I'm the uh, same I've got it I just yeah. haven't got around to it and I loved the first season yeah I uh, intend to Wolf Among Us um, I thought was really interesting as well like nice and kind of like different to uh, yeah. The Dead yeah I mean, uh, the, the, the main reason I got it is because uh, you can download the first episode of this and the first episode of Tales of the Borderlands for free. Um, right. I'll play through them and see whether you like them. I don't know whether they're done the same with Wolf Among Us. If they have, then I'll definitely download that and give that a try. Um, tried the first episode of Tales from the Borderlands. People have been raving about how good it they is. They have, yeah, or how good it kind of gets, and a lot of the kind of um, the literacy. I don't know; it's not necessarily cine literacy, but like, there's a lot of kind of reference to um, other things that are kind of comparable to that kind of story. That I think people have been very like they think it's very smart 
I think people have been saying so yeah because I've seen some people actually rate that as their favourite Telltale game today yeah me too and I, I do intend to give it a try I played through most of the first level and I kind of stopped because it just didn't grab me but uh, I, I wasn't really concentrating on it as much as I should have been doing so I'll give it another crack but Game of Thrones uh, it, it really sucked me in All right, so I'll you know push through the you know the last few kind of honourable mentions that we that we've got. So my number eight would have been uh, Call of Juarez Gunslinger, which is a game I would never have played uh, oh. until we obviously decided to band together and have a go at setting up like this casual community podcast. So I, I thank Andy for introducing me to that. Um, yeah, cheers, Andy. So, yeah. <laughs> I think very much like we obviously covered. Did you ever complete it? <laughs> yeah, did you go back? No. No, I'm never going back. Yeah, so I guess that kind of stands as um, it should be in my list for nothing else than the fact that I surprised myself in playing it through to its end, um, and and you know surprisingly enjoying it, um, having not got like loads of up to date experience of first person shooters. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, it was the right kind of length, and it although it felt very hard at the time and incredibly stressful, it it was um it was like a, a challenge that I could overcome, and uh, you know I was very appreciative of it because um, you know I, I like the whole fact that it was set in the, the western era and how they played around with the, the narrative being told and the kind of difference between fact and fiction and uh, you know just the kind of the, the wild west uh, mythology that it draws on and, and actually it was tight in terms of you know again the controls it didn't feel like I think you were talking earlier about Battlefield um, sorry the Star Wars Battlefront game possibly infuriating people that are very used to nuanced shooters who were you know yeah. they, they like the scope of difficulty because it really kind of separates the crap, the average, and the good players. Uh, whereas I felt like something like Gunsling, well, that wasn't multiplayer, because it was kind of quite pared down in terms of the amount of guns that you could have and their abilities. It, it felt like, you know, even somebody who's not that experienced could become quite competent, yeah. you know, with the shooting ability. So, well, no. Bullet time thing. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah, and uh, that was obviously yeah, very hard, the old... Um, the quick draws that was something that was really infuriating but no other than that a game that I wouldn't have played wouldn't have been on my horizon so I'm really pleased if for nothing else being part of the podcast so I can get to play you know some of these games so thanks again Andy that'd be my number 8 honourable mention well that's my number 7 and it's just a brilliant (laughs) game and should play it everyone next (laughs) it's you Kevin (laughs) oh nicely done (laughs) my number 7 is one well out of left field it's one that we got free I think on PS Plus it was Fat Princess, piece oh. of cake. Yeah, this is the match three one, yeah? Or are you talking about the actual multiplayer? It's just the match three one. Uh, yeah, you know, no, I the... know the one you mean. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you played it as well. Um, I've, I actually got further into it than you did. And I've only got one achievement left to unlock and all that. Say, I've platinumed it. Brilliant, well. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go back to it. It was definitely one that you can kind of pick up and play. And, uh, it's you know, it's got great humour, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just... A great piece of nonsense that you can just pick up and play you know and that's all you need um it's just a hybrid between a battle sim and um bejeweled or something like that you know you're just matching up the lines the perfect casual game and one that is just great to dive into yeah one of the more positive sort of free-to-play experiences i know like some people just will disavow free-to-play and they won't even go near it whereas um although that one still has that kind of element of where you have to kind of wait don't you kind of you have to wait till it kind of regenerates i guess before you can have another go unless you want to spend sort of in-game currency or or real life money but I, i didn't 
I, I didn't stop playing it because that ended up being a barrier. I think it was just a simple case of getting clearing something off the Vita to put something else on. But I will go back to it because, uh, yeah, no, that was one of the, the better ones that and more enjoyable. And I think there was quite a few people on Twitter that we had heard were really getting into it as well. Like I couldn't put it down. So it was a success for experiment. No, it was a great game and the free-to-play thing didn't really um, affect me too much because when it did shut down and say, right, I'll see you've got to wait eight hours, you'd be like, all right then, see ya. <laughs> you know, I'd just move on and actually get on with life or do something I was supposed to be doing that day. The next game on my list, I guess, would be uh, Drive Club on uh, the PS4. Um, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> about that. Oh, you moron. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, you can chip in on this bit as well, then. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, I picked this up on a whim when it when it first came out. because uh, I think it was £30 on the dot um, if you're a PS Plus subscriber when it finally launched what, a year after it was supposed to or something like that. A, g- a good while after it was supposed to come out, anyway. It started off as a solid if unremarkable racing game with some interesting social elements in there and has just kind of blossomed into a really really solid really enjoyable sort of arcadey but not on the need for speed end of arcade style racing game there aren't any real world tracks but it is chocker full of beautifully uh, realized real world cars they don't handle quite as the same as they do in real life because it is it is a uh, it's a, a more arcadey sort of racer it is one of the best looking games on the ps4 i'd say racing games are always on the whole uh, better looking than other games on the platform that's why whenever a new console comes well, out yeah there's always a rush to bring out a racing game because it kind of it's, it seems to be a little bit easier to make racing games look stunning but this one more than uh, than others i mean better than uh, i've seen side by side comparisons between this uh project cars and forza 6 and it outclasses both of them um the weather effects uh the the uh, environment changes going from uh, day to night um look uh, absolutely incredible the actual club element of it is is good fun as well um multiplayer is really yeah. solid and then recently they added the drive club bikes um expansion as well um, picked that up for I think it was eleven pounds for the expansion. Uh, no new tracks, but it adds uh, a, quite a large roster of uh, real-world superbikes, um, and it plays completely differently to how it is in a car, obviously. And it's it's yeah. like having two completely different sort of racing games in one package. Uh, it's it's ridiculously good fun. I, I've really enjoyed it. A lot of people were very down on it uh, when it first came yeah. out, and it's kind of soured a lot of people's opinions of it. And they haven't gone back to play it. And I, and I can understand that because when it first came out, it was it was it was okay. It was kind of average. It was no it was no comparison to Forza or anything yeah, like that. It was just timid. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's yeah. it's still not a Forza type type game. It doesn't have. Um, the level of like you, you can't really customize vehicles at all beyond their um, the liveries and things like that. Yeah, but do you really want to? Some some people do, and I can get that. I mean, like I'm a big fan of of Gran Turismo, and I, and I did enjoy playing the Forza games on the Xbox 360. Um, yeah, um, so I yeah. like a good racing sim, but this is just a really good sort of like jump in, have a few races, jump out. Um, the photo mode in it is one of the best best examples yeah. of photo mode in a in a game <laughs> on uh, PS4. Um, They've almost found this great. perfect balance, haven't they? They found the perfect balance between sim and arcade. Yeah, with Drive Club. Yeah, they have. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of like um, in a lot of racing games, coming first is everything. Whereas in Drive Club, they add lots of different ways for you to, to get points. You get points just by overtaking, by yeah. taking a perfect corner, by having yeah. a clean section, um, going through a speed trap faster than the person that it uh, yeah. that it challenges you with, or uh, getting more points drifting around a few corners than someone else. It's a very big fun element of it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Gonna have a little bit of change of gears and I'm gonna bring it back to uh, the more casual Ooh, <laughs> the more did. casual game. Um, I, my next honourable mention will be Mario Party ten. Uh, simply because it's a, it was a great, you know, experience playing local multiplayer with my family, including, you know, my very young son and you know, he, he the uh, euphoria that he experienced being able to play as Bowser um, <laughs> made the game worth it on its own. I mean I know that compared to like other Mario Party games this one has come in for some level of criticism because in a way it's sort of quite light on content apart from that obviously drastic change in uh, one of the gameplay modes and you've almost got now with the advent of Amiibo sort of subtle paywall so the fact that you only get a certain number of courses and then you'd need an Amiibo to like, unlock a themed board for that character um, I can understand why that leaves a sour taste in some players mouths but again you know, I'd, I'd, I haven't really bought Mario Party 10 because I expect it to give me, a, a, you know, longevity in the sense of variation. It's simply like the pleasure of a familiar ball game in a way, and that it's something that all of the uh, people in my household, no matter what their age or kind of skill level, can play together. And I, I love that. You know, again, it's just a, it was another example of how um, I really enjoy the um, the gamepad. You know, and how that's being utilised by certain games for kind of like asymmetrical gameplay and the fact that it's just it, it's such a um, I, I, in a way I guess I, I, the, the the capabilities of the Wii U didn't really become apparent to me until I saw you know my infant son play it because you know it just it allows him to be part of that experience whereas you know that's very I get very little time to play games and the ones that I can are the ones that you know my, my wife or my son can kind of experience with me and the fact that he can take the gamepad and because of the touch screen you know in, in, interact with it you know he's, he's in control of it he doesn't need yeah. to be kind of like supported in any way um, it, it was really you know just like a, a, a great moment in kind of like my gaming life so yeah no, mm. that, although that's like a very slight game and and one that's kind of very casual and easy to t- dismiss the fact is it did give me one of my most pleasurable experience playing games this year so that's why Mario Party 10 uh, has made it onto the list and to be honest I am a fan of the series and uh, you know I, I do enjoy Enjoy a good mini game collection, even though they are the deer of gaming for you know people to take it far too seriously. <laughs> um, Nintendo, one of these developers that does this sort of game incredibly well. I mean, apart from um, Bishy Bashy Special on the PS1. Um, <laughs> which I've got a big soft spot for. Nintendo have always done these sort of like collections of mini games better than anybody else. Um, I remember countless evenings lost playing um, WarioWare on the um, on the oh, on the Nintendo hilarious. Wii. Yeah, smooth, yeah. smooth moves. I think that one was called. That was the one. Yeah, with with the little videos before each game that were like with the guy, the soft spoken guy telling you to, to how to hold the form baton, as they called it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you've got a group of people together around a console, then then uh, Mario Party or WarioWare and games like that. There's there's nothing quite like them. My list will never be missing one of these games. I've got tied in a couple of Lego games. 
First hey. of all, yay. Lego Lord of the Rings, because I'm a big fan of a Lord of the Rings fan of the movies and the world and the books, etc. So this was just like a dream, Lego and Lord of the Rings. Just loved exploring Middle Earth um, through the eyes of Lego, and that was really enjoyable. Um, the other one brought a bit of a change to the Lego format, and that was Lego Star Wars 3, the Clone Wars. And... Apart from bashing all the bricks and doing the same old thing you've done in every Lego game and the same type of humour, but they also brought an element of um, almost like RTS strategy where you uh, had to develop and build like um, cannons and new types of um, transport and tanks and all of that and defeat the, um, the droids or you'd have to... Um, with these troops so that was a really fun aspect of it I just enjoyed those two games in particular yeah the Lego games are um, uh, I, I don't currently own any of them although I have been tempted a number of times when I've walked through shops <laughs> yeah. I know, and I've played I've played lots of them I just don't currently own any of them I, I think I've got Lego uh, one of the Lego Lord of the Rings games uh. on PS3 through PS Plus and I haven't really played through it I have had to force myself to walk out of game shops uh, a few times recently without a copy of Lego Dimensions. Um, <laughs> and um, the other Lego game that was just made for the Wii U has, all, has also been like really highly praised. So that might be something now that you can give a try. What was that called again? Yeah. Um, Lego City Undercover. Yes, that's yeah, the Lego one. City yeah, Undercover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I've just realised I can actually play that now. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> My number six is something we talked about last month, and it's Counter Spy. Um, just love that game, and it's uh, again, it's perfect for me. I can just do it whenever I want. Good fun as far as the game's design is, um, you know, with the strange sort of 2D slash 3D thing, and then just to be able to update your weapon inventory and not lose it all when you die. That's always a bonus. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I was sorry to miss out on that chat because I, I played. I mean, I didn't end up finishing it. Um, sadly, again, it's another one to add to the list of things I need to go back to. But I really enjoyed what I did play of it with that kind of like random generation of the levels and just the whole kind of um, aesthetic of the game was really appealing. How it's kind of captures yeah. almost some of the kind of. Um, it reminded me a little bit like The Incredibles, but it also had the uh, sort of musical cues that you'd expect, like from The Incredibles but also like the whole kind of spy uh, Bond films and things like that so yeah it was, mm, I've got, you're powers. right yeah it's, so it was a great kind of yeah. a package and again I, I appreciate that idea although it became really infuriating at times of um, it kind of punishes you for being hasty or for being kind of bad at the game like that's what ramps the difficulty up so <laughs> yeah. quite unforgiving in a sense but I guess I mean it wasn't too long so even if you did I don't know let's just say you messed up one playthrough which is what I think ended up happening to me you can just almost start from the beginning again because I mean what is it about five hours from start to finish is it yeah yeah no I will definitely get back to that my number six then would be uh, Super Mario Maker on the Wii U um I picked this up uh, the weekend that I got my Wii U, actually. I, I, I saw it in the store, and it was about £30, and I couldn't resist. 
I'm a big, big fan of uh, the Mario series, especially Super Mario World. And, uh, you know, from the moment I saw that you could make your own Super Mario World levels, then I was I was sold on it. It's hard to really talk about because it's not really a game. It's like the creation tool, isn't it? And then obviously yeah. the community sharing uh, element of it. I mean, how yeah, have you found like, that through your like creation? Is the feedback loop very rewarding in sense of um, you know you can put your level out there and kind of get almost get pointers, isn't it, about how you might be able to kind of improve it off other people? Yeah, I mean, I, I've put some levels out there, uh, and um, some members of, of the Laps Gamer community have gotten back to me with feedback on it. But uh, also, when you're playing through a level at any point, you can pause the game and add a note at that particular point where you are, or add a note at the point that you died. Um, just a little comment or a, or a little doodle or something like that just a comment on on that aspect of the level um it's basically like if you took just the level creator aspects of uh, little big planet but with the uh with Ma- with mario it's it's just that and so I do spend quite a lot of time just jumping in and playing other people's levels. Um, they upload um, special event levels as well that are created by um, that are curated and added to this this, this running roster of levels, uh, which you can use when you complete a level. You'll unlock a um, a new character skin um, for your characters, so you can have like you can be playing through a, a Super Mario uh, Brothers two level as Link or as Samus. Um, and then I've added in uh, characters of Earthbound and things like that. And then also, I, I this is something I noticed in Mario Kart as well. There seems to be this weird relationship between Nintendo and Mercedes at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. There's, there's some Mercedes cars in uh, Mario Kart 8. And Mercedes created a level for Mario Maker recently in which you play through uh, a Mario level as a Mercedes GLA. Um, <laughs> just jump, jumping around in a GLA. It's, it's pretty nuts. Um, the level it's the level creator itself is very in-depth but also simple enough for anybody to pick it up and it does the the, um, the clever thing of it gives you a very limited set of tools to start with you start with just being able to create uh, in one type of Mario game with what with a short small amount of tools and the way that you unlock more tools and different types of Mario game is by using those tools and so basically as you go along you learn how to use each of the different aspects all the different um you know blocks and enemies and obstacles as you're going along and so it forces you to become a better level creator i listen to quite a few podcasts where there are the people on there who are making mario levels um two of the guys from uh, giant bombcast have been very prolific in uploading brutally brutally difficult mario levels um this is one of the things i, I like about it is that i like a tough platformer i'm a sucker for games like super meat boy and um people have managed to turn uh mario which is you know mario has sometimes been quite challenging but it's never been really really hard they've managed to turn some of these levels into the the most brutally difficult uh, platforming levels you could imagine. But then there's plenty of, of people who've designed uh, just classic Mario levels um, using the tools that are in there. This, yeah, there's not a lot I can really say about it because, like I said, it isn't really a game. It's just a tool set, but it's 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 great fun, and it's because it works uh, the same on the screen as it does on your gamepad. It's something that that's like um, if my girlfriend's watching something on TV or playing something, then I can just. Grab, my, grab the pad and just uh, sit there and design a level in the background and just chip away at it. There's plenty there for you to get into. Um, 
but um, yeah it's great I highly recommend it okay so we are going to get to a few of the community members list that they were kind enough to send our way but just to kind of like finish off our honourable mention section or like our number six is my number six is The Fall which is um a game that I believe came out in 2014 on other platforms, possibly like Steam, um, but came onto the Wii U, I think, not until uh, this year. This is the, um, it's meant to be like episode one, I think. It's uh, by Over the Moon Games, and it's a bit like one of these um, Metroidvania games in the sense that you do have to, it's like a, you, it's like side sc- 2D side scrolling action adventure but it's also like a platform game and you have to kind of complete different sort of puzzle problems and the, the what I really loved about it is that kind of like the moody aesthetic of it and that you play this particular, this kind of special suit that's uh, imbued with artificial intelligence and its mission in a way is that he has to kind of break its programming so it's almost it's crash landed on this planet and completely almost shut down but it's able to start regaining some of its abilities because it, it, one of its kind of like directives is if the uh, astronaut that's inside the suit its life is in danger in any way you know it's able to kind of like hack its own programming so you you, you play as the AI essentially uh, and you know you kind of experience uh, conversations with other machines on this kind of like barren almost like post-apocalyptic uh, world but just through kind of the way that the story's told for you even though it's quite a short game I think it's only probably about five or six hours it's it feels like it's got a real kind of like keen handle on the whole kind of like that that strain of sci-fi I think it's like a really interesting uh, maybe kind of quite focused world but it's, it's kind of rich in nuance and there's some really interesting kind of like plot turns of where it actually goes uh, and just kind of like gameplay mechanics I, I just found it um, really really engaging for the short time it was there so I would definitely recommend people go out and, and seek this out it's probably very much in the shadow of another game that I played this year that I really enjoyed um, which I'll mention probably later on The Swapper um, but although this is less kind of physics based problems uh, it's still got like that really kind of um, distinctive sci-fi world and a really kind of uh, stylish aesthetic to it. Say the bit. 